Good afternoon, film fans. This is Lynn Van House, and we are now midway through the year. Joining me is... I'm Carl Middleman. You can call me Carl the Intern. And I'm Tom Stockman. Hi, Tom. Hi, Tom. Nice to have you back again oh, as thanks. our guest. Yeah, always good to be here. Coming up here in a second, we're going to talk about Stuber, and around minute eight, we'll talk about Wild Rose. Around minute 10, we'll talk about The Lion King. Around minute 25, we'll talk about our top five movies of the year so far. Around minute 56, we'll talk about the new DVD releases. Around minute 59, we'll talk about the Muni's version of Cinderella. Around an hour and nine minutes, we'll talk about the Midnight Movies at the Tivoli. And around one hour and 15 minutes, we'll talk about the St. Louis Filmmaker Showcase. Yeah, so uh, summer isn't slow in our book, but we got lots to talk about. There is one main release this week. Yes. (laughs) Only one of us have seen it. No, I saw it. I saw it too. I saw it. I saw it. Yeah, so we both saw Stuber, which is is about an Uber driver. Named Stu. Named Stu. Ha, ha, ha. Stuber. And that's the funniest joke in the film. (laughs) And Dave Batista is an L.A. cop who has LASIK surgery who can't drive, and so he... Uh, takes uh, Kumal Najami from the Big Sick and from Silicon Valley. Yes, who's a delightful person. And And he uh, was just in the bomb Men in Black International. His voice was. Yes. And uh, they go on a wild ride, drug bust. It should be called red herring because they 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 set up these things because it's a it's a it's a buddy cop movie and they introduce all these things and Mira Savino's Dave Batista's boss and then like she does something and then like oh is that going to lead anything to anything no it doesn't and then you hear these other things uh, Betty Gilpin is the from Glow she is the love interest of Stu and does that lead anything no and it's it's just so there's so many roads that this movie tries to take and i had they'd screened this movie three times for critics and after the first time i saw i talked to lynn and lynn said oh it was cute it was very funny i was waiting for jokes i thought because normally what kills a comedy you you either sacrifice jokes or you sacrifice story i thought the story was fine there were not enough jokes in this movie i heard it's sort of violent and it's it very is, violent. Oh, it headshots. Like headshots. That's so. what what I did say in my review. I said the drawbacks are uh, that uh, it's extremely violent. I wouldn't call that a drawback. Well, no, <laughs> but if you're if, if you think oh it's a nice R-rated comedy, and they at the beginning they say oh yeah we're not going to curse a lot, but that that changed in the first ten minutes because Dave Bautista, my daughter, says I curse too lot, and so he doesn't curse. But then that uh, that's another thing that goes nowhere because he as soon as that scene's over with a. It's it's a great scene with Karen Gillan. The 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 Guardians of the Galaxy are together for yes. a scene or two, and then it doesn't. And then it just just keeps getting worse and worse and worse. And it's not it's not funny enough, and it's not actiony enough. The story is the story is fine. It, the idea of an Uber driver being a police vehicle is funny to me. But it just it's not. There aren't enough jokes. It was about time that we had a comedy about an Uber driver. Though I think I thought it was silly summer fun. It's not going to win any awards. It's not going to be on anybody's list. This movie's forgettable, it's, and yeah. you will not remember. At the end of the year, you will be going down the list, 2019 in film, and you'll go, "Oh yeah, I remember seeing Stuber." I think it's going to have a big life on DVD. 
are you know streaming. I haven't seen Mira Servino in a movie in a long time. I know. I didn't I even she know sort that of was dropped her. Out. She's doing she's doing a lot of TV. In yeah, fact, she, I saw her, I, I saw her on the Hallmark Channel for the Christmas in July. I'm like, oh, Mira Servino's doing Hallmark <laughs> movies. Oh well, wasn't she one of the Harvey Weinstein? Um, yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. I think that had something to do with her sort of dropping out. Of well, yeah, movies. because she said, "I'm going to ruin your career," <laughs> and then, I'll ruin yours first. And so, um, Stuber is not really that good. I, 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 it's average. It's average. But as far as, like, I didn't know what to expect, and I figured it was kind of be silly, and it was. It was silly summer fun. Buffa loved it so much, and I just I gave it a B-. minus. Well, my wife see. said it was exactly what she thought it was going to be. Yeah. And so... It's cookie cutter. I really it's wanted totally it to be funny cutter. though, because I like I like the characters. And when you hear the cast, I go, "Oh, this is going to be funny." Because Dave Bautista is funny in the Galaxy movies, and uh, Kumal Najami. Yes, he that, is delightful. He's, I think and he's a, he makes he's a very movie. winning actor, and he's been in some amazing things. And I really wanted to, I really wanted to like this movie more than it. They deserve better, I think. I did think that they did have some clever stuff, like they in the Sriracha factory and stuff like that, things that you don't usually see. But it was a pretty lame script. It's by a guy named Tripper Clancy. And, Tripper. Yeah, which, you know, right away it's like, okay. Um, and uh, I think... Dave Batista is just funny physically. Mm-hmm. He looks he's like a bull in a china shop. Yeah. And then Kumal has that wit, that ratatat delivery. He's just sharp as a tack and he has the best lines. So I like their interplay. I thought they had really good chemistry. Betty Gilpin is wasted in yes. this movie. Uh, Mira Betty. Savino is barely in this movie. She probably had like a 2-day shoot. Yeah, and Natalie Morales plays uh, uh Dave's daughter. Da- daughter. She's yeah. she's really good in this movie too for and once again, the cast is really strong. It's just that it is a... Uh, it's a throwaway. It's uh, a midsummer throwaway, right? This is this is a movie that normally would come out in the first week of January. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But it's the only one we've got this week besides a spectacular Wild Rose. I did not see that. Uh, you should. I it's should. an indie movie. Did you see Beast... Tom yes, Lester, that woman, Jesse Buckley, who yeah. was so impressive. By the way, if you ever see this movie, it's about a serial killer. It's oh, called good. Beast. Mm-hmm. It is really good. One of my favorites last year, but it didn't make my list because there were so many at the end. More of, of a the love year. story where the guy just happens to be Have, a serial happens killer. Happens to be a serial killer. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, but no, it's great. It's great. It's Actually, set I've in Scandinavia. Actually, I've heard people talk about it, so how it's how it's over underlooked. Yes. So anyway, Jessie Buckley, she's going to be huge. She's going to be a big star, just like I said Zendaya mm-hmm. was going to be. But she's already, like you said. But Jessie Buckley, remember that name, because at the year end, she will likely be making some lists. This is a movie called Wild Rose. It's set in Glasgow. And so uh, you got to deal with the accents. Sometimes that's hard. Sometimes you wish you had subtitles. Julie Walters plays her mom, oh, wow. so that's a familiar name. I like Julie Walters. It's about she wants to be a country singer. Mm. And I she, think we've heard the story before. Yeah. And uh, she has two children, and her mother doesn't want her to embark on this because, you know, her children. It's difficult. And uh, To, uh, to be a, a country singer in Ireland. Yeah, well, Scotland. Scotland, sorry. That's okay. But uh, she embarks on, she wants to go to America, and she gets an opportunity, and her voice is beautiful. 
It just is so good. She was on Colbert a couple of weeks ago, and she sang a song from the movie, and and it, she, her voice is just captivating. So it's a good story. She's going to be big. It's one of those indies that, that you're glad you saw. Is she a really good singer? Yes. So will people know her for her acting or for her singing by the end of the year? Hmm. I don't know. I think they're both pretty equal. She's also in Chernobyl. Oh, okay. Well, so she might be... That's a, on a that's a lot of people's top ten list already. Yeah, so she's gonna be she's gonna be one of these you know the names to watch you okay. know at the end of the year like you didn't you didn't start the year having her on your radar but by the end of the year she's on your radar. So I recommend this movie. It's at both the Tivoli and Plaza Frontenac. Ooh. Yeah. So um, but it's from Neon. So that means we'll get it at the end of the year. Yeah. Yeah. So that's basically what's going on this week. Well, Crawl opened, but, crawl, but yeah, they did not screen that. No. That's the Gator movie. Yeah, yeah the Gator movie. The, the, it's, it's so typical. It's like a drive-in movie from the old days. It's, uh, um, it's a high concept. Yes. It's a, it's a <laughs> level it's a five. global warning. Yeah, movie. it's a level five hurricane. Gators are in the are in the building, and, and from what I've seen from the trailer, a guy a guy will not leave his house, and so the daughter goes back, and then they're both trapped by gators. Yes, and it's directed by Alexandra Ihai. Yeah, say? he's done a lot of horror films. Yeah, he did the remake of The Hills Have Eyes, among other things, and Piranha 3D. Oh wow! So he's he's he's, he's got the bona fides. Yeah, and he's yeah. got the the monsters in the water thing down pat. So, and then uh, even though Lion King does not open till next Friday, we are no longer embargoed. So if we wanted to talk about it, we could. We could. I saw it a couple days ago. We all saw it. Yes. And? Do you want to talk about it? I have to review it for uh, wearemoviegeeks.com. And I'll give it a a positive review. I'm going to give it a positive review also. Except... I still think there are things about the live action directed by John Favreau that are better than the cartoon from 95, and there are things that are not as good. They both have their own merits. The fact that they're trying to make them look like real animals actually is a detriment. It is. Because when they they, uh, made them human on – when they drew them, they could show emotion. But this – you get this line reading and it doesn't look right because they they look very much like a real lion and so what when you see Simba have this look of awe when he's drawn you don't get that because he looks like a lion which i think hurts the movie a little bit yes i i agree with that assessment i got goosebumps a couple times and i think because it's beautiful i, I like this technically uh, technically just a visual masterpiece john just, favreau has he knows what he's doing oh my god he did jungle book yeah. which, which won, is actually better which won the oscar for visual effects visual effects so who knows this is a game changer in that world in that technical world I am captivated by the story because it's really Hamlet for kids. It's the same story. Yeah. It's, it's the same. It's it's really, when they have the credits, they say, we would like to give uh, very much props and credit to everyone that worked on The Lion King in 1995. Mm, that's good. Which is, which is very nice because basically it's the exact same movie shot for it shot. It is. 94? They, sh- they should have Favreau direct all these Disney live Oh, I know. Because well, the last one was called Dumbo, and they brought in Tim Burton. It was awful. And it was really bad. And 
I didn't like Beauty and the Beast, but I, I liked Jungle Book and I liked Lion King. And they were both the ones by John Favreau because he, he, he leaves the material alone for the, for the most part. Yeah, this is a shot-for-shot shot remake, including the way the titles are introduced. Mm-hmm. It is about 20 minutes longer than the old uh, animated version. And I think they give uh, Seth Rogen's, that character, some more lines. And, and uh, Billy and, Eichner. Yeah, and the, talk, and the Talking Bird. They give him a lot more Zazu. lines than he had in the... John, John Oliver. Oliver. Yeah, so they do uh, pad it out a little bit. But boy, they, they just recreate moment after moment from the original. And if I guess if this is the way that some young audiences are going to be introduced to this movie, uh, that's great, because it's really a good movie. Well, James Earl Jones is the only voice that is the same. Come back, and the voices are very distinctive. Chu Weddle, EG4. I look. See, tell EG4. I know. I have. Uh, I went. Is no Jeremy Irons. No, but but he uh, does have a he. Oh, I understand what they did. They made all of the lions African. <laughs> the, the, since they're in Africa, they made all of the characters African American. I understand that. That that's. I applaud them for doing that. Well, Tumba, uh, I mean Timon and Pumbaa uh, steal the show, but they're not. They're they're the white people, <laughs> <laughs> but they're so funny. Oh my God, they're so funny. So Billy Eichner has a really good singing voice. He does. Who knew? Because I was I was saying to our friend Tom O'Keefe, I'm like, man, Nathan Lane is. This is how how Nathan Lane got his start, and how people started to know who Nathan Lane. He's so iconic in that singing Hakuna Matata. But Billy Eichner actually has a really good voice. Seth Rogen does not have a good singing no. voice. No, he sings but, a lot too. But and <laughs> but people are people that's, are. That's a lot of laughs right there. Just listening to his horrible singing right. voice. Right. And I thought John Oliver was perfect as Zazu. Um, I did not know the actor who was Rafiki, but he's the dad in Black Panther. Okay. He's oh, the he's, king. He's the, real he's the king. king. And they never call him Rafiki once. No, no. Which is really weird. I know, because I was like, he's Somebody such say an his integral name. part mm-hmm. of it. I actually thought Donald Glover and Beyonce oh, okay. were the weakest links of the voices. I, you know, because I'm like, oh, wait, that's Donald Glover. He disappears into the role. And Beyonce, you keep... You keep thinking, I saw a review, uh, I think it was New Yorker or Vulture, that said, I, every time I heard Nala talk, I could just picture Beyonce in a sound room. And I, I can see how that would be distracting. And she does have a song. That was what we were supposed to not talk Spirit. about last week. Spirit. And it's Which, in the middle of the movie. And she also sings in... In um, Can You Feel the Love Tonight, which takes place in the daytime for some reason. Like in in the original 94 cartoon, that took place at night, and then they transfer. That's that's the transition between Cub and Lion, and it's... I know. I don't understand that, but I just went with it because it's so beautiful. But I did think that there were a couple little teeny things, and it, you're right about the faces. You, you don't get too much emotion. But if you know the story, then you're following it. It does take its time, which Tom alluded to. <laughs> and uh, But I do think... Uh, if it gets as, people to watch the original, I'm all for it. Yeah, I do think of all these live-action movies, my favorites have been... Uh, Cinderella? Cinderella. 
Cinderella, Jungle Book. Well, that's because of Kate Blanchett. Well, Lily James Lily is James just is good radiant. Too. But the the care that Kenneth Branagh did, and I think it's about the vision for the story, because I it's mean the director. Uh, yeah, the rest of them have been not. I mean, Aladdin. Aladdin has been mess. the worst. Uh, Alice yeah. in Wonderland. Well, I I don't like those Dumbo. at all. I'm going to say something blasphemous. I actually like the cartoon Aladdin more so than I like the cartoon Lion King. And I have to disagree with the live versions of that because the Lion King is far and above the live version of Aladdin. And oh I, yeah. I, I I don't know. They're going to they just announced Mulan or they just showed us a trailer for Mulan and then they just announced Little Mermaid and the casting with that and then so they're going to run out. They're, there's not that many left. You're going to have us. They can't do Fantasia they, because that would be insane. They could do Aristocats. They could do Aristocats with real cats. They could do Sleeping Beauty they have not said anything about and Snow White. Stone. But you know what? I think I don't think they'd touch Snow White. No. Or, no, or, the old or man. Or would you surprise? If they keep making money, they'll touch it. <laughs> well, yeah, I know about every new generation and that, but there comes. But a that's point why Disney where... used to release these movies every seven years, and now they're like, you know what? Let's just redo it. Well, they have Aladdin and Lion King in the same year, plus Toy Story four. I mm-hmm. don't understand. And Avengers and Star Wars. Disney I... Disney has the top three movies of the year so far because you know we were looking at uh, the best of so far. Disney has the top three movies. Wow, yeah. I think in our heads, because uh, Carl and I are going to talk about the Muni Cinderella a little bit, uh, but I think you have this picture from your childhood in your head. You have this um, memory response, this nostalgia response, and it just depends how you react to the new version. And I think that has a lot to do with it, what you, what you feel about the uh, original experiences. My kids watch those VHS Aladdin and Lion King at least least 50 times. Tom, did you did you bring one of your children to uh, Lion King? I brought my 19-year-old. And, and? She really enjoyed it, yes. Would she, did she? No, she did. It's not one she grew up on. She's a little too young. Yeah. The first movie she saw at the theater was Monsters, Inc. Okay. To put it in reference. And then. And, and then, that's uh, 2000. Nemo, mm-hmm. you know. That, that whole stream, yeah. Oh, so she those was are... about five years too young for Lion King. We did see it at the Fox once, but. And and that's and, and uh, Julia Tamor, she she is a producer on this because they they I thought they were going to take a song from the film from the play and put it in there. There's a new Elton John song that's Never played over the credits, and it doesn't it does it sounds it sounds like it was from Rocket Man because it doesn't sound like Elton John very much. No. no. Uh, Julie Tamer's vision for the Lion King musical is so spectacular. Yes. I was glad to see her name on that. Do you know that's the highest grossing musical on of Broadway? all time? Uh, the highest grossing. If you go to TKTS, it, it, they never had. It was like every play, like whatever the hot play was, like it, there was never Hamilton and there was never a Book of Mormon. And it was never Lion King through its entire run on Broadway. And then Disney replaced Lion King with... Uh, they did Aladdin and they did Mary Poppins. Oh, that Mary Poppins show was really because of the sets. They had a they had a three story set and whatever whatever floor they were on would shrink to the size of the audience. Oh, it was, the set on Mary Poppins on Broadway was 
fantastic. And then there's Bert uh, dancing on the ceiling, too. And then Mary flies incredibly. Through the and, audience. Yeah, just incredible. But uh, Lion King, around the world, it has grossed more than any other musical in history. And it's history. so well done. It is. When well, they the make s- Rafiki a woman in this. I uh, actually thought Rafiki would be a, a woman in this, or a, a female monkey. <laughs> but they... I, I was actually disappointed with what they did with Rafiki. Yeah, I did too. Even and and he's so prominent in it. I interviewed uh, Robert Guillaume one time because mm. you know he right he was Rafiki. Yeah, and uh, that was a delightful thing. You know, he's from he was from St. Louis. Rest in peace. But uh, the Lion King has has a lot, it's going to make a gazillion dollars. It will, but I I actually prefer the animated. Kate Marquis said that too. Jim agrees with uh, but Jim I, but I, I also I also agree that it is a technical marvel and people should see it. If there if there wasn't the animated film, this would be a great substitute. But we still have the animated film from '94. That little Simba cub, though, if oh, it just oh, in the beginning, it looks like a documentary rather than a film. Yeah, um, J.C. Corcoran said that you thought you were in a Marlon Perkins uh, Dana, special, yeah. Dana Brown coffee special. Yeah, yeah. Uh, what was that? Wild Kingdom. Yeah, yeah. You actually thought <laughs> Mark Schulte said, "Yeah, how they get those animals to sing?" <laughs> but it oh, I did. So I did find a continuity error when there's a long shot of them walking. Uh, it's uh, Mufasa and Simba are walking towards the camera, and it's far enough away. You you don't. Their mouths are not moving. They they did a lazy edit, and they didn't. Uh, they didn't because in every other scene you can see their mouths moving. And I'm like, yeah. oh wow, somebody didn't notice one. But, I spotted a microphone in one scene. Also. Did you really? No. <laughs> well, if you're being as picky as I am, I would. I love seeing boom shots. the The best boom shots are when they went from uh, four by three right. to uh, sixteen by nine because they you could hide those, yeah. and now you can't. Yeah, there was a Starbucks cup somewhere. <laughs> yeah, I uh, well, I think if you have young children, they're going to be frightened because the elephant graveyard uh-huh. and the stampede and the things at the end in the dark, that's very dark. I think it's going to kind of creep little kids well, out. Also, that that was that's the difference between the animated version and this, I guess, live action version, even though everything is – technically, this is an animated it's really, movie. It's, really, it's, uh, it's still an animated film. It is an animated film. no humans film. in it. Right, exactly. But you can't tell – in some of the – Fight scenes, you can't tell who is who or who is whom. I didn't know that problem. I, I, well, Mufasa and especially Scar. Scar, oh, yeah. In the other movie, Scar was – he was lit differently. Mm-hmm. And in this fight scene when uh, Simba and Scar are fighting, I said, all right, I, I think I know which one is which. And because, you know, one's bigger than the other. They, it was difficult. And especially the hyenas, you can't tell. And it's no. not it's not Key and Peele. It is – Key and Eric Andre. Yeah. Which I and I like Eric Andre. His he's I think he's a very funny actor, but I you expect it to be Key and Peel. Yeah. But it's not. Yeah. When you as soon as you hear Key's voice, you're like, oh, okay, the other guy's Peel. <laughs> no, he's, he's not. not. He's Eric Andre, which is I thought was very good casting too. And um Jordan Peele's too busy doing other things yes, right now. Well, yes. but, but then but they were just together in Disney's Toy Story 4. So. Yeah, that's why I thought they wouldn't repeat. Well, J.D. McCrary plays the young Simba, and I thought he did a fabulous job. Not in it that very much. No, but, but his voice. He's no Jonathan Taylor Thomas. Yes, I know. 
All right. So next week we'll talk more about the reaction. It's getting mixed reviews. I, I checked this morning because since the embargo is lifted, it's getting mixed. But yeah, how do we classify it? Is it? An it's an anime? animated film. It's just hard. It's going to be hard yeah. for those special effect things, you know. Well, was well, Jungle Book has a human in it, so a human, so that makes it. Not yeah, an that makes because there was an actual person in it, but there was, aren't any people in this. Mm. There's no animals in it. <laughs> That's true. Well, it was the first Disney movie without a person. In it, Lion King, when it came out in '94. When I first saw Lion King, I was I was jarred by that. Like, there's no people. Oh, that's okay. okay. Yeah. And then, you know, the, sc- the score. Oh, uh, Pharrell Williams produced the yes. songs. And Beyonce. And, and then Hans Zimmer did the additional music, which I thought was really good. Mm-hmm. I thought it added quite a bit. But we shall see. Jury's out. There's a, um, um, But at least it's one of the better ones of the year. We were going to talk about our... Five films so far this year because we're at the midway point and there's been a lot of... Uh, when I was going through the list, mm-hmm. I could not believe how many bad movies were on it already. For the, mm-hmm. Are non-existent that, you know, they're ultimately forgettable. Yeah, like, I would have had trouble coming up with five uh, a month ago, but... Now yeah, there are more. a couple no. of good ones in the past month. Yeah, so do you want to start with what your what your fifth is? What's your fifth movie so far this year? Who are you talking to? Tom. You, you go ahead. I wrote them down. Number you did. five is Toy Story 4. Oh, that's my number five as well. At how well, uh, how good this movie was and how they didn't screw up uh, this Which franchise. they could have. Yeah. You know, I thought they were going to screw up in part four and they didn't. I thought they were going to screw up in part three, three. and they didn't. <laughs> so I guess they just start not going to make these movies. Maybe Tom Hanks and uh, Tim Allen won't sign on unless the, these scripts are really funny. But this movie is really funny, Toy Story 2. And I did love the uh, the silent ventriloquist dummies who their mm-hmm. heads spun. That may have been my the, favorite. The uh, vaudevillians, yeah. Lynn, what's your number five? Um, that would be uh, the, com- <laughs> Don't laugh. the comedy long shot. Really? <laughs> yes. I really enjoyed that's that. That's a long shot. I really enjoyed that. I haven't seen Book Smart, so so if if I had seen Book Smart, uh, I, it's probably gonna, you know would be on my list. But I haven't seen it yet. Mm-hmm. I just found that it was so fresh, and the dialogue was so uh, just just exceptionally written. And I really like Seth Rogen and Charlize Theron as a romantic couple. So I was on board with it. Did you see Late Night? Yes, she did. Did you like you like so you like Longshot more than Late Night? Mm-hmm. Those two sort of reminded me of each other for some reason. Yeah, no, Late Late Night's a contender, especially for Emma Thompson. I yeah. think at the end of the year, but uh, no. Mm. <laughs> All right, number mm. four. Uh, my number four is I Spit on Your Grave, Deja Vu, which is the first direct sequel to the original I Spit on Your Grave from 1978, which was one of my very favorite movies of all time, uh, and it's. If you have you seen I Spit on Your Grave, I saw I saw the original. Yeah, the original was directed by this guy named Mir Zaki, and it stars Camille Keaton. Um, and I assumed this Mir Zaki guy was dead because he never directed anything afterwards, and that was forty years ago. And now they've come out with this sequel, and it's almost like this guy waited forty years and he made the sequel, which is exactly what happened. He was married mm-hmm. to Camille Keaton, and it's it's sort of the ultimate. It's, uh, you know, rape and revenge film, and it's very disturbing. There's no, there's no music in it. It has this really detached tone about it, 
which is sort of odd for a movie that sort of focuses on this 25-minute rape scene in the middle of it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I heard that Camille Keaton and uh, Myers Aki were reteaming for I Spit on Your Grave, Deja Vu, and then it ran two and a half hours. And so, so that you were in. Yeah, so I was like, it, it's, it's, it's exactly what I expected. But here's a weird thing. I'm saying it's one of my five best movies of the year, but I really can't recommend it. <laughs> is it except disturbing? To certain friend, except to certain friends and, and people that really enjoyed the, the first one. And I was ha- I was having dinner with my buddy Mike the other night, and I told I recommended to him. He goes, "Oh, I Spit in Your Grave used to be my wife's favorite movie." Wow! <laughs> so there are people out there that really uh, appreciate I Spit on Your Grave from 1978, and uh, she's back. Jennifer was her name, and it's 40 years later. And apparently, the the rape from 1978 produced a child, so she's got oh. this daughter. Now, the daughter should be 40, but they keep referring to her as being 30, and she's a model. So, so anyways, the wife and, and offspring of one of the rednecks that she had killed in revenge 40 years ago, they kidnap these two women, and they do horrible things to them. And then, of course, they get revenge, because that's what happens in the Ice Spit in Your Grave movies. But it's really an excellent film. Wow. Um, I'm going to say something totally different. I'm going to say Shazam. <laughs> <laughs> Shazam was my number four because I was not looking forward to seeing Shazam because I remember Shazam, the Shazam Isis Hour back in the 70s. And I, you know. Mentor. It was so fun. I enjoyed watching Shazam and I thought they did a great job. And Zachary Levi was really, even though I knew how it was going to end, once they said Mary Batson, I knew exactly what was going to happen at the end. And because I remember reading the Shazam comics when I was a kid, and oh, well, I'm not going to say, but that took a little bit away from me, but I still had a very good time not thinking it was going to be that great. It's on streaming right now, and yes. it'll be in DVD next week. So I'm looking forward to seeing it because I missed it. And Megan Good is in it, and we got to interview her. Mm-hmm. All right, so my fourth is the documentary Pavarotti by Ron Howard. I really enjoyed it. Uh, I did not know as much about uh, Pavarotti as I thought I did, and just to hear that voice was so glorious, but it's so well done, and it, it gives you insight into somebody that was a name, a figure, you're, you're you know, mm-hmm. m- most of your, in the 70s, 80s, 90s and stuff, but I really just enjoyed the film and how it was made, and... I highly recommend it. Number three, Tom. Uh, number three. Well, when I used to turn in these top ten lists for the St. Louis Film Critics Society and We Are Movie Geeks, up until a couple of years ago, I would never turn in a title that I had not seen at a theater. Oh. Because I was, a, you know, a pretentious <laughs> twat. But, um, but a couple of years ago, I turned in uh, Brawl in Cell Block 99 by uh, Greg... Zaylor and it had Vince Vaughn and it was an incredible prison film. Did you guys see it? I did not. Oh, I did not. Uh, well, it was fantastic. And now Craig Zaylor has come back with my number three movie this year. It's called Dragged Across Concrete, and it's this. Which I've it, never heard of. It stars Mel Gibson and Vince Vaughn, and it is a really it's a two and a half hour long movie about corrupt cops and drug dealers, and it just sucks you right in. It, it's incredibly engrossing and violent as hell. So it's called Dragged Across Concrete. Wow, Lynn, number three for you? Number three is... Wait a minute, I think it shouldn't be Oh, it should be, me, it should be me then. Yeah, it should be you. Um, I, I am going to say something. This is a Netflix film. <laughs> that does, And I, those count as movies now. They do. They, because they released them in New York, New York and Los Angeles just for um, 
Academy consideration. And I was a fan of this book, and I really enjoyed The Dirt. It's the Motley Crue story, and if you are easily offended, you will not like it at all because it's the Motley Crue story. <laughs> and I really enjoyed it, and I wanted to I wanted to not like it, and I was very impressed well, by why it. Why would anybody be offended by it? Because Motley Crue, because they are very... Um, it's sex, drugs, and rock and roll. Sex, drugs, and rock and roll. The very first scene is... Uh, them doing something very horrible to this woman. Well, I had I just had I spit them in your. Well, brain. that is true. That is true. <laughs> so I don't, but but that but that's me. that is based in fiction. This is ah. this is this actually happened, and so um, if you are not if you're not a fan of Motley Crue's music, you, I don't think that will matter. What's the title of it? The Dirt. It's based on it's based on their uh, biography. All right. So I remember three, you, Raven. Yeah. I, I really enjoyed The Dirt, and it's not for everybody, but a lot of people like it. Okay, my third is the Chinese film Shadow. Oh, you talked about that the other Yes. Week. Oh, it's so beautifully shot. It's innovative. It ho- holds your attention. It takes a little while to get going, but it holds your attention, and the fight scenes are something that you will not forget because they are kind of like uh, Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon. Yeah, unbelievable. As good as those fight scenes. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah. Same choreographer. Yeah, same choreographer. Uh-huh. That's why. Yeah, but it has uses modern technology, and it's set in the midi, you know, medieval times or whatever. But it's it's you know palace intrigue. It's got a neat story. I like the actors. I enjoyed it very much. I was captivated from the the start. It has a black and white and inky look to it, mm-hmm. and then they come up with the red for the blood, so it's very artsy. And uh, it's called Shadow, and I hope people can see it. And I just really want people to not be intimidated by subtitles. Subtitles. You shouldn't be. Because it's just beautiful. And I think nowadays if you have it on your – you can get – you can switch it to dubbed, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. A lot of times you can, especially with Asian movies. And I tend to, when I'm at home, I tend to watch Asian movies dubbed into English. And this why? I'll tell you why. And this might sound stereotype or racist or something, but to me, Asian people look alike. And so, <laughs> and when I'm mean, watch, so I don't want to be down here looking at subtitles. I want to be up here looking at these characters so I don't get them mixed up. But when daughter, I'm watching French films or German films or Italian films, I'll, I'll watch it in the original language. But for Asian films, I always tar- I always put on the English dub. My daughter is a Japanese aficionado, and she refuses to watch. She wants to hear it in the original language. Oh. And I don't know why. And I'm like, don't you want to hear them in English? Then you can see more of the film. She's like, no, I, I can handle it. Well, Penguin Highway was one of my favorites this year, but it didn't make my list, but I enjoyed it because it was so out there. Tom, what's your (laughs) runner-up? My runner-up is A Dog's Purpose, a wonderful family film that was a sequel to A Dog... What was the name of the original Is it Dog's Journey? No, it's called A Dog's... No, you're right, you're right. A Dog's Dog's Purpose was the first one. Journey, which is a sequel to A Dog's Purpose. A Dog's Purpose was the one from a couple years ago where the dog keeps... Dying. dying in a spirit John, keeps coming to John life. Ortiz was the police officer. Right, right. But Dennis Quaid was was the little boy the, that had him at the end, and at the old at the end, mm-hmm. he's an old man. And Dennis Quaid is back in this one, and and it's about it's a little different. It's it's a little different because it's not 
it's it's really about this young woman who's Dennis Quaid's granddaughter, and in in the original, the the dog keep became reincarnated with different owners. And this one, it's about this girl and how how she keeps having uh, uh, the the dog is there to protect her because. Um, Dennis Quaid says, I need you to protect my granddaughter. So it's a little, it's a little different. And then at the end of the movie, Dennis Quaid is like in his late eighties. And, and I tell you what, in a perfect world, he would get an Oscar nomination for this. Cause he nails, he nails this old man. Cause that's about my dad's age. Mm-hmm. And just the way he walks, he walks like an old man <laughs> and he talks like an old man and he looks like an old man. And that's not as easy to pull off as, as some people think. And there's a scene, I don't want to be too much of a spoiler, but there's a scene where Dennis Quaid is playing with his dog in heaven, which I think is probably the best scene I've seen this year. So my number two is A Dog's Journey. Now, there was a movie that came out I saw about three months ago called A Dog's Journey Home. Right, that's different. I, I know, which, 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 I, which I saw, and it wasn't, it wasn't terrible, but, but I think they were trying to make people think that that, uh-huh. was, that was the sequel to A Dog's Purpose, which may have And hurt. the dog was a girl of that one. Yes, that's right, and she had a, a girl's voice. Jo- uh, Josh Gad does the voice in right. Dog's Purpose and Dog's Journey. And I think that may have hurt the, the box office a little bit for Dog's Journey because it wasn't around very long. I thought it was going to be a big hit. Dog's Purpose was a big hit. It was, uh, but which Dog's is why Journey, they made a second one. Yeah, but Dog's Journey didn't do as well, and I think that Dog's Journey home heard it. But that's my number two, Dog's Journey. I had tons of problems with this movie, but it is still a great film, and I'm glad I saw Avengers Endgame. I think it is a nice cap to 22, even though Spider-Man is still the end of Series 3. But I still think Avengers Endgame, despite all of its many, many flaws, was still a good film. And I enjoyed it, and I want to see it again. And and we have to wait till Disney Plus comes out in November to get it streaming. Or you can just buy it on the DVD. But you only saw it once. I only saw it once, and I would love to see it again. And every time we're leaving these screenings, I'm like... Oh look, there's 40 minutes left in the Avengers Endgame. Maybe mm. I should go in there and just check out the last. No, I want to see it from start to finish again. I do want to see the new footage. Well, um, I, don't, I don't care about the new footage. I want to see the whole film again. I thought it, for what it was supposed to do, I thought it did it fine. Besides all of the massive plot holes that are in it, and if you have to, and the Russo brothers have to explain, if you have to explain your movie, and now see now I'm getting into the, and then, yeah. which is why it's not my number one. I enjoyed it. And Dan and I argued about this for weeks and weeks <laughs> because he says it's flawless, which I do not agree with. But it is... Oh, a three-hour and 15-minute movie <laughs> could be flawless. Exactly. They need an editor. But that is, I, I still appreciate it for what it was and what they accomplished. And for you, your runner-up, Lynn? Uh, Toy Story 4. Oh, kind of. Yes. Um, I do love the first three so much. And I was not expecting this. I, I, had, I did not have any expectations on this. I kept thinking, why would they have to do this? Because three was wrapped up so perfect. But they took it in a different direction. And it's so bright. And it's so, um, I think. It makes you, sense. It makes sense. And I think if you're an older parent, um, it's about the transitions of life and the new characters they brought in. And I, the animation has reached such a level of detail. It's just one of the most gorgeous experiences to me of the year. I, I think Bo Peep looks too new. 
She does. For being, especially being a lost toy. And I, I told you that when it came out. I said, yeah. oh, wow, she looks really, I mean, they, I know they have her missing a hand, but, well, not really. She's, it's. Which is also weird. If you just tape it back on, your hand works. Yeah. But then again, <laughs> these are talking toys. Yeah, these are to- <laughs> these are talking toys. Um, I went and, and uh, unearthed uh, the Woody doll we have from 1995, Aww. and it's a little worse for the wear, but it's still really cute. Does he and, still have his voice box? Uh, no. Aww. And uh, yeah, no. Uh, you know, it is what twenty, almost twenty five years since the first mm-hmm. one, but that was Pixar's entryway into the world and just nobody does it better than pixar animation i mean it's just so not counting good dinosaur and cars three right well monsters monsters university uh, university well you can't you can't have you can't have everything so right uh, you have something of all the films one has to be bad, right? You can't have a you can't have a knock it out of the park home run all the time. But what makes these movies special? What's the genius of Pixar is they always concentrate on the story, but it is at a level for kids and it's at a level for adults. And to me, if you've got that, you've got magic. Tom, what's your number one film? My number one favorite movie so far in 2019 is Midsummer. Really? I love Midsummer. It is the best horror film I've seen probably since The Witch about five years ago. This I movie, like The I've, Witch. I've seen this. I've seen Midsummer a couple of times now, and I'm going to go see it again next week. And it just, it just totally got under my skin. It's haunted my dreams, Midsummer. Uh, it's about this couple that traveled to uh, Sweden to go to this pagan-style ceremony and all sorts of horrifying things happen to them. It is great. And if and if anybody's listening, go see it at the High Point. The High Point's going to carry it over a, a third week. Really? And just something about seeing a, a movie like that in the, in the cavernous High Point, mm-hmm. seeing a horror movie in the High Point is a, a special treat. So, uh, yeah, Midsummer is my favorite movie of the year. Congratulations to Ari Aster, who wrote and directed Midsummer. I... He did Hereditary, uh, which people loved last year. We gave it Best Actress. I think Midsummer mm-hmm. is a much better film than Hereditary. Um I could not disagree with you more. <laughs> like, well, it's not for everybody. No, no, it's it's not for everybody, and I am one of the people that it is not for. I did not care for it, but I I I, I can appreciate of everything that it it wants to do. I just think it could be a better movie. It was probably a half hour shorter. Well, it's going to be a half hour longer. I was just reading yesterday <laughs> yeah, when it comes out of Blu-ray, he's going to add yeah, another thirty minutes to it. Another and what I was hearing about that, uh, if you think about it, that it's a week long festival. They, the movie ends on day four. Yeah. So what, what do they do for the yeah. next three days? They've already... Well, no. yeah. My number one movie of the year so far is a movie Lynn has not seen and really wants to see, Booksmart. I was so happy after leaving this movie. And our friend Tom O'Keefe, I'm mentioning him again, he had a great line about this. Don't see this because it's a woman's film. Don't see this because it's uh, empowering. See it because it's a good movie. And it is a really good movie. And it, it, you, the shorthand is, it's super bad with boys. It's not. It's smarter than that. It's really well done, and I really enjoyed Booksmart. I could not disagree more. <laughs> Carl, I really disliked Booksmart. I just thought these those characters were so annoying, and they were just always screaming at each other. 
That's all they did. Everybody yes. was just getting on my nerves. I just, I just couldn't wait to get out of the theater at that You one. did this on purpose, Lynn. You knew, <laughs> no. you knew that we hated each other's number yes. one picks. <laughs> I didn't know this was your number one at all. But I knew when he said when he was raving about Midsummer because I saw your post online. <laughs> I, I thought, oh, Carl's going to have. But he and uh, he and Jim Tudor last week had a, had a, a disagreement. I'm scared to see Midsummer. <laughs> I think I think I'm going to be disturbed, and I just don't know if I want to. But go you guys there. are horror. You guys can appreciate. You guys are yeah, horror guys. My favorite genre. And so, you guys can appreciate that, and I I love that. But um, I. Why did you not care for you have girls? <laughs> yeah. And so is is that because I have I have a girl that is in high school right you're now. Talk, you're back to but back to Booksmart. Um well there was one last year called Eighth Grade. Yes. Which, that I, was a much oh, more realistic. That was my number think, two film think, last year. It was on my top ten. I, I love Eighth Grade. Realistic. These kids didn't seem to be grounded in reality. They were just annoying and and shrill and but the, uh, I, I know girls like that. Yeah, I, know, yeah, I know girls like too, that, too, but I don't want to sit there and watch them for 100 minutes. But the, I think... And, and I didn't think the writing was all that sharp. I didn't think the, the jokes, that most of the jokes now, sort of fell Do you flat. think it's a female super band? Uh, well, superficially, sure. Yes. But, but no, it's a totally different script. Right. It's, yeah. Well, Beanie Feldstein is Jonah, Jonah Hill's, Hill's sister, sister mm-hmm. which I did not know when using when, her own and when she was in and, Lady Bird, and she's in Lady Bird. She's the best friend in Lady Bird that Lady Bird abandons. Right, and I didn't know till I just read that. I thought, oh my goodness! And now the resemblance, of course, she's best friends. Beanie Feldstein is best friends with Ben Platt. Tony winner for Dear Evan Hansen. And he was in all of the Pitch Perfect. Well, I don't think he's in the third one. I don't think yeah, he's in the third one. No, but yeah. The, all right, the you're up, lady. All Are right, we both going to attack you for this movie? Uh, no, I don't think so. Okay, this is surprising because I'm a girl, but The Avengers Endgame is really? my number one so far. Yeah, I'm sure this is going to change. Yeah. As And well, we haven't seen uh, the the Quentin Tarantino Hollywood movie yet. Right. So, yeah. you know, that that's a game changer probably. But um, and I really did like Lion King a lot more than I think you guys did. But uh, the Avengers Endgame to me is was the definition of epic. It satisfied me in terms of tying up the whole stories. I thought every move they made, and I know time travel makes my head hurt. It does. And you start that thinking is, about that it. That is the problem. <laughs> and you start thinking about it, and it doesn't hold up. But. I felt like how they wove the characters, how they set up Infinity War. I just, I, I just was mesmerized by this movie and and uh, Marvel. I hate this phrase, all the feels. That's like the big phrase mm-hmm. of the year. You millennial, you. But this movie does that. Mm-hmm. I think, and that's the beauty of Marvel. That's why I like the, these uh, is the relationships that they develop between the characters, the shorthand mm-hmm. that they have. Um, any, any, uh, honorable mentions you would like to mention that you did not get to say on your list? Like I would say, Tom's thinking of horror films. I enjoyed a uh, happy death day to you because yeah. that, that, uh, that you thought that it was going to be the exact same film and it is not they changed yeah. they it was just sillier though they, they made it they made they it made into it a comedy, comedy. Yeah. Uh, uh battle That's angel I, like I liked i enjoyed that i'm i'm so looking forward to the sequel that they're going to build uh and then uh how to train your dragon 3 i thought it was a good capper on the whole series which i followed for a long time uh 
I don't understand all the hate for Captain Marvel. And Max Foise, our friend Max, saw it again with his son, and he has changed his mind on it. I said it got better after seeing it again, and I because I saw it three times in one week, and I appreciated it more. He saw it for the second time, and he says, you know what? I agree with you. It's not as bad as he hated it when he first saw it. And um, there was one more that I want to mention. Um, what the hell was it? Well, I forgot. Tom, do you have any uh, movies? Uh, well, I wasn't prepared for this question. Well, that's, I, a, that's okay. Ma comes to mind, which, Ma. You, which we reviewed last time. I, Octavia Spencer is so mm-hmm. funny in Ma. I, oh, uh, I remember that. Detective Pikachu was better uh, than I thought it was going to uh, be, too. Uh, that's the only one that comes to my mind if I think of something here. Well, I actually like two Netflix movies. They're not going to be on anybody's top ten list, but I really enjoy them. The Highwaymen. The Matthew McConaughey and uh, Kevin Costner movie. That was pretty good. Yeah. Not Matthew McConaughey. Oh, not Matthew McConaughey. Uh, Woody Harrelson. Yeah, Woody Harrelson. Sorry. And uh, I like Triple Frontier with Ben Affleck and Oscar Isaac and uh, Charlie. Oscar Isaac has been in so many movies this year. (laughs) I know. And I I really Mm -hmm. enjoyed that. And, oh, and, we got the we got the invitation for it the other day. It's the uh, Olivia Coleman movie. He's in yeah, that movie. The art, uh, yeah, the art uh, house film. No, it's called oh, something about follow them that follow. Yeah, hmm. yeah, I think that's right. Okay, yeah, and, and yeah. So uh, there seems to be an indie that's in the back of my head, but I can't conjure it. But uh, I I do like you know smart writing is always gonna trump everything I see. But movies are a visual medium, and you gotta have the visuals. Now I will say I didn't I have not seen Us yet, and I still want to. I and thought Us was ridiculously overrated. Yeah, me too. And I and I think what was get what was the, what was his first film. Uh, get out. Uh, get, get out. out. Get out really is really superb and it holds up to viewings. I just watched that again right before I saw us, but us did not do anything for me. But that's my opinion. Did you mm-hmm. see it? Uh, I us? did. I did. I did not like it because I figured out if you figure out the twist in the beginning, then the rest of the movie makes no sense. Yeah, and, and then they're saying Lupita Nyong'o should be nominated for an Oscar, and she probably will be. But all she does is she talks. But she's playing two characters. Uh, but but I know but one character. All she does is she talks while breathing inward. Which is something like a child would do. That's mm-hmm. a, it's a it's a gimmick. It's a shtick. And she already has an Oscar. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I don't think at the year's end she's gonna make it. I think there's so many movies. What I've been most disappointed with is, um, you know, because my age and everything, everybody thinks all these movies are in my wheelhouse, like Gloria Bell and Palms and uh, those kind of movies. I've movies been, for a woman of a certain uh, age. Yeah, certain age. I have been really disappointed with them, and I don't like this pandering and Palms, Panders, and Gloria Bell is just... Aren't they, like, making a sequel to Book Club, too? Yeah, I think so. But Palms has Pam Greer, so... <laughs> right, but oh, so bad. And uh, the the Gloria Bell people people are like raving about Julia uh, uh, yeah. for Dude. Oscar nomination, and I'm like, this movie is horrible they're horrible people by the end you don't like anybody john Turturro's character is terrible he seems he's miscast. a terrible person and it shows you brushing her teeth and everything you know if a camera followed me all day that's kind of what you'd you're be getting bored. you know yeah you'd be bored that's what you're getting you're getting the minutiae of life i don't get it and the song <laughs> before the blues thing the song is in that movie so yeah 
Laura Branigan. So she's making I think, a comeback, even I, though she's been dead for 15 years. Yeah, there's some films. Um, yeah, so don't you think overall the film the years got to be picking up because well, uh, Tarantino does. usually does. Usually the second half of the. Yeah, but but normally we've heard about hey, you can't wait till November to see so, so, X. Yeah. And right now, is there any movie that you know that's coming out at the end of the year that you're waiting for? Star Wars. Besides Star Wars, then. Okay. No, but then but then there's but then there's the opposite. Sometimes a movie that you've never will heard come of out will of nowhere. Show up and I hadn't heard like of Booksmart. Uh, the The Mule was my favorite movie of last year, and I don't. It didn't have any buzz or screenings for that matter. No, it did not. One on my uh, list. Yeah, I just think, and and yeah, you don't know what's what's down the pike. I guess we should do a when fall comes, we should do a you know preview, preview of what of what they're really touting. I do. Um, I have waited for this Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, which comes out July twenty sixth, the ninth film and of ten. Yes, and I just want to. Um, I just hope it's as good as I want it to be. That's all I'm saying. Because, you know, there's been... I often... really enjoyed Hateful Eight. I I thought it was refreshing and it was not what I thought... Because I thought I could... I That scene from underneath the house, that yeah. took me by surprise that I had no idea where it was going. And yeah. I, thought, I thought it was really well done on a genre that I didn't think he would do well in. And this this movie, I am I don't know where it's going. I know, and, I, and I'm looking forward to that. I think it's going to be more like Inglorious Bastards, where it's going to be revisionist history. Yeah, yeah. I, I've heard it's not as violent as his other. Movies. Really? Yeah, even though even though it's got, about Marilyn well, or not Marilyn, <laughs> even though it's about Charles Manson. I, I've heard that scene's tough, but besides that, oh, I know what Joaquin Phoenix and Joker. Oh, the Joker. That's yeah. that's uh, October. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So there we go. And you know what they? I read. An article this week that said, "Guess they said uh, we're not taking anything from the comics. Whoa. Nothing from the comics. So anything you know about Joker from DC, yeah. this is just this is just the vision of how the Joker became the Joker. They're taking it all from Cesar Romero from the TV. Show. <laughs> oh, Cesar Romero. Oh my God. Of those. Uh, well, I do think that uh, because of Khan and because of how." It you know got the standing O and people are hail. They do hail. standing ovations. I at know, Con for like minutes on time. I but know, this is, but this lasted seventeen minutes. I know, and then a lot of things at Con don't hold up, just like Sundance. A lot of things at Sundance in the beginning of the year do not hold up once they start coming out midsummer and and fall. It's just like no, it it just you know I don't know. I, I would say Sundance in the nineties was actually a good. Uh, harbinger of what was going to happen like uh, Full Monty was there I mean Clerks came out and then uh, Welcome to the Dollhouse and all these movies that came out in the mid early to mid 90s came out of Sundance and those that was when you could tell and I don't I don't think that's the case anymore yeah no it's gotten very commercial too uh, just and I was an usher there in eleven, and so we have had eight years since. But it's it's very very commercial. Um, I will say we we didn't touch on these movies that come out today that none of us have seen. And so if it bobs your cork, they're they're around. Um, it's Bethany Hamilton, Unstoppable, based on the true story oh, yeah, the, of a woman. She was the surfer that got her arm bitten off by a shark. Right, they made a movie about her. 
Right. Well, yes. that, yeah. Wasn't... But she's in this one. Yes. So it's the same this, story, just with this is a doc. Herself. This is a documentary. Oh, it's a documentary. Yeah. yeah. And then there's another documentary on Toni Morrison, the novelist. Yeah, I can't it's called uh, the Pieces I Am. And then there is one, another documentary. Why are all these documentaries out? Coming out and, in the and, week and, after 4th of July. <laughs> and uh, it's called The Quiet One. Now, who is do you think? Is it about John Wayne? No, it is. About uh, George Harrison. It is about Bill Wyman, the bassist for the Rolling Stones. Yes. Who married his 14-year-old. Yeah. Yeah, so. And he's no longer in the, he's, he's no longer in the band. Oh, is no. Crawl a documentary? No. Yes. Crawl's the only one that we haven't <laughs> seen that has a... That would be the definition of a B movie. And Stuber would be the definition of a throwaway of a summer movie, movie that uh, is coming out. So now on DVD, what we have, we have Pet Cemetery, Ugh. which you can forget. Don't see it. See, I don't mean... Not that the original is like classic cinema, but the first one's better. I do okay. like what they. I do like what they did with the kid, because it actually makes more sense. And Stephen King is a fan of this change that they made too, but it's uh, it's not good. No. And then we have Little, which I didn't see. Did you see it, Tom? No, I didn't see it either. It's one of those switcheroos. Yeah. Well, it's just like big. Right. Yeah, it's a switcheroo. It's black and female, so they call Little. <laughs> well, I guess she comes back as a child. No, uh, somebody somebody at work says you're mean. I wish you could be little. Oh, and there we go. So it is the opposite of big, then. Right. Okay. Yeah, and then there's uh, the Robert Pattinson space movie with Juliet Binoche's High Life, uh, yeah. sex scene. High good. Life, which yeah, Dan Buffa raved Loves. about this. He says it's the best. Uh, solo sex scene he's ever seen <laughs> and then there's the, one of those teenage romance things called after yeah none of us I, saw I that, that so though cool. so if you go to the red box machine over the weekend that's what you're getting i think you could probably do better um i'm watching the uh hbo2 is going to show the entire series of from the earth to the moon so if you have oh. if you have uh, HBO Go or HBO Now or HBO whatever, you can probably get that on demand as well. All twelve episodes of From the Earth to the Moon. It is fabulous. It is fantastic, and it's just so well done. It's Ron Howard and Tom Hanks, mm-hmm. and it will just it provides great insight. But if you want to wait to the twentieth, HBO Two is going to show them all in a row. Aha. Well, uh, the six, July 16th is, is the actual date that the astronaut launch, and uh, CBS News is going to have Robert, uh, Walter Cronkite's actual, actual thing, and they're doing a big special on it. Omnimax in St. Louis has, uh, let me get the name of this one, because we were talking last week because they had Gladiator there for First Friday. Mm-hmm, because it was, because they're showing Pompeii. Yeah, because that's Pompeii an exhibit. Pompeii is their exhibit. And we, didn't, the we, we didn't realize that. Is it good? Yeah, it's worth seeing. So we were wondering why they had Gladiator, so that makes sense. Oh. They're but, tying in. But now, this, uh, they're starting on the Omnimax screen, Magnificent Desolation, Walking on the Moon. It's going to be limited what? time. Until yeah. the 20th, probably? Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> or the week that So week. it starts tonight. 
Okay, nice. Yeah. Can we uh, can we talk about the Muni just for a second? Sure, we can go back. Yeah, because that that is local too, and that is um, people that are uh, defending the Muni production of Rogers and Hammerstein, Robert Rogers and Hammerstein Cinderella, are not taking well to the Disney criticism and are saying. This is not a Disney it is version. Not. I kept. It wa- I is walked in Rogers and, I said, and Hammerstein's. Boo, everybody! Yeah, and I will say that the costume change for the uh, fairy godmother is great. Yes, that is a beautiful costume change. And then the costume change that comes immediately after that is a letdown, and so is the costuming. I think Cinderella is one of those fairy tales that you have in your head from your childhood. And there were three versions of this. This was a, an original show for TV. Mm-hmm. It was live theater. It wasn't like uh, Playhouse was it 90. Was it yeah. Leslie and Warren? Yeah. No, well, no, it was a that Julie was the Andrews, second the second oh, one. Julie. This was 1957. Julie Andrews, who was unknown then, played Cinderella. Mm-hmm. And that score which is a beautiful score. It was, uh, R- Rodgers and Hammerstein wrote it for that. Then they redid it in 1965 with Leslie Ann Warren and Stuart Damon and Celeste Holm mm-hmm. was the fairy godmother. And it's wonderful. And that's the cherished version of my childhood. Yeah, that's what I better remember. Yeah, uh, they uh, redid it with uh, Whitney Houston as the fairy godmother and Brandy as right. Cinderella mm-hmm. on ABC in 1997. And it was that version, not the Disney version. Right. So now... So uh, every generation has their own little memory. Of right. It. And so 2013, they mounted it on Broadway. Uh, they have the traditional costumes, but they updated the script to be more female empowerment. And uh, when it was at the Fox, did you see it when it came to the Fox no, in I 2015? Did not. I did not. I did not like that version because the prince was like a trust fund baby layabout. Mm-hmm. And uh, the it was very, I don't know, I just A had friend of mine who works at the Fox, I'm not going to say their name, said their version was better. <laughs> and I... I did not um, – I enjoyed uh, what they were trying to do. I didn't – I don't know if the, it was executed well. And I, I think they added too many kids. They made this the kids' show instead of Matilda, which actually – Matilda is a better show for a kids' show. So they added all these extra kids being animals, and it didn't, it didn't do it for me. I don't see how if you're up in the free seats that you can see the puppets. I just don't see how because they're tiny. Mm-hmm. They're they're not big. Um, I have a lot of issues with this show. Um, uh, they didn't quote you. No, in their, uh, <laughs> they did not quote me. But I also the, heard there's a lot of backstage drama about this show. Yes, and uh, that, that n- not oh, everyone. Tell. No, not well, ev- not okay. everyone that works at the Muni is nas- is uh, thrilled about the outcome of the show. And I will say, uh, sure, I always applaud ambition and risks, but I think what happened here was this is not Cinderella. This is a fantasy that looks like a cross between any Tim Burton mm-hmm. thing like Beetlejuice or Even Charlie and the Chocolate Factory and uh, the Hunger Games wigs and, and costumes. Yeah, the the 
step fairy got or not the the step the wicked stepmother that's right the wicked stepmother looks like Effie from Humber, Hunger Games uh-huh. it looks like it's Elizabeth Banks even though she's supposed to be an older woman a woman of a certain age and she's just it's like it her outrageousness does not because they kind of try to ground it in the real world this this woman doesn't exist in the real world right uh, I think. Uh, when uh, one of the biggest complaints I'm hearing is the ball gown, and your <laughs> wife said that to me right <laughs> afterwards. She said, "The gown. I want the gown. I want the gown. You want the, you then, want the Disney blue mm, gown. Yes. And it's not that I'm not a feminist or I don't believe in female empowerment, but that's the point of feminism is that you. She's can going s- to the ball to meet her prince. <laughs> you still can do the girly jazz, <laughs> the girly glitz. And you can all be about girl power. That it's not either or. That's the thing. Some girls like to look pretty. Yes. I think, uh, you know, and it's all about opportunity. The poor girl was stuck. You know, it's underdog triumphs in true love. I do do like the, the stepmother is very cut and dry about why she married cinderella's father and i let's say something positive the girl that plays cinderella she has a beautiful voice she does she's beautiful and she's curvy so <laughs> they did not well you know what i'm saying they don't have they, a stick they don't, figure. I know what you're saying. they don't have a barbie doll <laughs> right as as uh, cinderella and uh, i applaud that uh the prince is wonderful jason gotay and you uh, didn't think he would be no you, you didn't think you didn't think that topher is as a character would be and he was fine as that character yeah well the he, they make topher. they make fun of his name yeah topher but jason go i i don't know how to you say his last name gote but he has been at the muni before and he's just a great guy he is uh he was prince eric in little mermaid and he was jack in into the woods he was in the broadway version of bring it on which was oh, wow. produced by mike isaacson which oh, is that's why he's here yeah and and he's he's wonderful and they have good chemistry together there are good things i have issues with john Schur being the sebastian the right hand man because he's supposed to be evil and machiavellian and he's just like being like a quippy sidekick you don't know that he's the bad guy until halfway through the first act and he looks like conan o'brien Right, and and he's just being like this quippy sidekick, and that's not who he's supposed to he's be. He's supposed to be the evil. He's the bad guy. <laughs> yeah, they have changed this. A uh, one step sister is not as a it's mean actually girl. Disneyfied. Yeah, the Cinderella sequel has that story in it about how she's in love and the mom wouldn't like it. And so in Cinderella two, it's all about Cinderella helping her sis her stepsister oh. to uh, find this true love. And so I'm like, oh, wait a minute. They stole that from Disney. Oh. Well, the one sister is Stephanie Gibson, and she has been at the Muni 12 other times. She was Inga in Young Frankenstein. Mm-hmm. And she's delightful. She played the part on Broadway. Her, what is her What is her stepsister name? They changed Charlotte? Them. Yeah, Charlotte. And, and, and? Well, no, she's not Charlotte. Charlotte. Char- that's Jen Cody. Okay. Jen Cody is a master of comic she timing. Is a, she's, a, she's very funny. Yeah, she was the grandma in Adam's family, mm-hmm. and she's in uh, Young Frankenstein too. She's she was one of the strippers last year for Gypsy. <laughs> she played Tessie Tura, I think, mm-hmm. and uh, she's just hilarious. And so she's Charlotte, the mean girl, and her physical comedy is really good. There's a lot to like about this, but. The biggest thing I'm hearing is people are taking their grandchildren and they're so disappointed because they want the 
They, they want, want the, the elegance. They want the opulence. They want the enchantment. It's not high up on the enchantment level, I think. Hmm. Uh, and, and that's what one friend posted on, on my Facebook review of it. Uh, she posted uh, that I went home and ordered the DVD of Leslie and Warren for my granddaughter. You know, it's just, I just think it's, it's one of those, but it's creating a lot of... Um, Dissension? Well, just about a lot of debate. How about that? There are there are people sticking up for it. Footloose will be next week. Yeah, well, and Footloose is going to be directed by Christian Borley, who has two Tony Awards for Peter and the Starcatcher and for Something Rotten, and he wait uh, he was uh, he was Black Stash and Peter and the Starcatcher. Yes. Oh, that's a good part. I know. That's why he won the Tony. Anyway, he's a fabulous actor. He was on Smash on TV, and. He is directing this at the Muni, and the reason is Footloose was his very first show on Broadway. That is he, he going to be there next week? Yeah. Wow. He, he, he directed it, and it's got a great cast, and uh, it should be, well, you know, it's all about the it's dance Footloose. and the music. So I, I would like to admit, I've never seen Footloose, <gasps> and I never saw Flashdance. Oh. The movies? Neither of them. Oh, you got a big '80s hole there. Yeah, yeah. I, and I didn't see I didn't see Purple Rain until college. All right. Well, I haven't seen books. <laughs> There's a couple of movies I haven't seen in my lifetime that people go really. Mm-hmm. But um, you know, it's one of those. You know, Footloose came out when I was in uh, seventh or eighth grade, and I just I just didn't go. So uh, have you seen Fight Club? Yes. Well, you're in luck because next weekend at the Tivoli, they are showing Fight Club in midnight. I host the midnight show at the Tivoli, and I have for 10 years now. It's my 10th year. Nice. And they just announced their new lineup for uh, the rest of the summer, July 19th, 20th, Fight Club. July 26, 27. Scott Pilgrim versus the World. You oh, like I should take oh, my, I love that. I should take my daughter because uh, she loves that manga. August 2nd and 3rd is Police Story from 1985, which was one of the big uh, Jackie Chan movies that they sunk a lot of money into before Jackie Chan kind of became Americanized. Uh, August 9th and 10th is Hot Fuzz. August 16th and 17th, Rock and Roll High School. Wow. Oh, Ramon. DJ Souls. Uh, August 23rd and 24th is Ninja Scroll, which is a Japanese anime from 93. August 30th and 31st is Labyrinth. And September 6th and 7th is Hedwig and the Angry Inch. All so right. I always uh, do uh, trivia and hand out prizes, and we get some pretty big crowds. And are any so they're not bringing back Rocky Horror for any of those? Oh, they, well, that's, they will it, it around Halloween. They'll, okay. they'll announce one more schedule for this year, and that'll be after September 6th and 7th, and that'll go through the end of October, and it'll always end with Rocky Horror. How was your uh, turnout for Tommy Wiseau? Oh, it was great. And, and, and then... <laughs> It went really well this year. I mean, it was sold out, but we only showed it on one of the one screen, the big screen. And and we did it two years ago, and it was such a disaster. We showed it on all three screens. <laughs> well, it's because it kept selling. It kept, yeah, I know. And they and that well, was it was around disaster artist time. That, that's that's true. And so we just sold the one screen. We we got the autograph started earlier, and we were <laughs> able to start the movie at about one fifteen. Wow, both nights. But that that included uh, a. a a trailer for Tommy's new movie that he directed called Big Shark, which is exactly what you think it is. <laughs> First movie he's directed since the room. And Tommy doing a Q&A and, and things like that. So, so really to get the movie started at 1.15, was, we, we considered it a big success. Awesome. Rather than 2.30. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Well, uh, speaking of St. Louis movies, we're going to have 
The Art Hill film series tonight is Black Panther. Yes. Yeah. The movie starts at 9, but you can get there at 6, and they got food trucks and oh, yeah. games. Uh, and... Is the Goonies next week? No. no. Uh, Anchorman's Anchorman. next Anchorman's week. next week. And then, then the Goonies. No, I know then the... Ocean's 8. Ocean's 8 is in, like, the Sandra Bullock one? Yes. Okay. And then Goonies. And is then Goonies. The but Goonies is showing this Sunday night, in two days, at the drive-in over in Litchfield, Illinois. Really? And I'm actually going to get a group to go out there and see that. Because that's a nice drive-in. It's not that far. It's, a, it's a, about an hour. Um, Litchfield's on Route 66. Ah. And they, yeah. So it's interesting. Uh, are, you go, are you going to the uh, I, I'm Art not Hill gonna, tonight? Um, no. I, I, I'm, um, I actually have. Yeah, I have too. It's a great time. I saw, the, I saw the symphony when they do their free one out there the well, last two years. It's great people watching. I mean, it should be a nice night for it. Too. Yeah, it should. Yeah, it should be. Yeah, it should I, be. I, I'm. That's why I asked about Goonies because my daughter wants to go see Goonies. Oh. And I said, okay, well, maybe we'll go see it out at Art Hill. So or that's see three, the drive-ins. Or see to the drive-in. Well, yeah. I'm, I'm going to be out of town. I'm going to f- go fishing in Canada. Oh. Starting tomorrow. Well, exciting for you. How long are you going to be there? I will be there for five days. Oh, well, fun. With zero uh, reachability. Was just kind of good. Yesterday, I left my phone at home, and I had uh, news assignments to mm-hmm. go to. And it would have been okay had um, I uh, um, checked people. the directions beforehand. Oh, honey. Because when you have to go to a subdivision uh, with a street called Whipperwill Court, mm-hmm. and where would that be? No idea. So I stopped at a gas station and got wrong directions. And then I had a brilliant thought— Let's go to the library. Nope. And the library gave me free internet access. Oh, and you just printed out. And I just uh, asked for directions. Nice. So, yeah. So, FYI, if you ever have that, because remember gas stations? You used to be able to go and they had maps, too. Yeah. And they had maps. And they had these phone booths. (laughs) Mm -hmm. It's amazing. And then you also can't tell people you run late because you don't know where they live. (laughs) You can't call them and go, where do you live? Mm -hmm. But if you had your phone, you could have used the Google Maps. So, It's really weird when you don't have your phone. I just think Stop it's, doing that. Yeah. So getting back to what's happening in town, we also have the Easy Rider 50th anniversary. Uh, it has been restored by Sony. Mm-hmm. And it is only this Saturday. I mean, Sunday. It's only this Sunday at 4 o'clock at Ronnie's and at the St. Charles. Is that a Fathom? It's a yeah. Fathom. No, Fathom events are they charge like thirteen or fourteen bucks. Yeah, thirteen dollars. Ridiculous. Yeah, and I the, went to uh, Whispers of the Heart last week, uh, the uh, Studio Ghibli festival, oh. and uh, yeah, it's uh, very interesting. And uh, Rebecca Sugar, who does um, Steven Universe, she introduced the film. Oh yeah, it was uh, an interesting movie. And you know what? I was there a big crowd. It was. It was sold out. Yeah. Okay. These uh, these uh, Studio Ghibli. They do it once a month for yeah. Fathom, and my daughter is a big fan of the Japanese anime. Yeah, so yeah, we do those at midnight. That's the Miyazaki stuff, and it's like attendance insurance. Yes. Oh, it, it, and there are so many of them. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Well, they uh, they do have a, a a niche audience, which is good. They but do. the fact I just them. wonder I just wonder how uh, Easy Rider holds up because oh, I've, I've watched it. My buddy Roger owns a sixteen millimeter print. I've watched his print twice in the past year. Um, it, it holds up really well. Tony Basil. Yeah, Tony Basil. Tony Basil. Mickey. Oh, she's, Rip Torn she's, she's was supposed to play the Jack Nicholson role, mm-hmm. 
But he was too much of a he was he was too much of a fuck up. Can you imagine getting fired from Easy Rider? <laughs> Peter Fonda said, "You are too wild yeah, for this well, movie." Could, yeah. Well, I saw it before Jack Nicholson was a big deal, or mm-hmm. just starting to be a big deal, yeah. and so everybody was like, "That's Jack Nicholson," you know. Uh, I mean, his, that was his first Oscar yeah. nomination. Yeah. So it's it's very interesting, and it makes you wonder. Spoiler alert. They die at the end. <laughs> oh, yeah. it's so horrible. It's just, it's a weird ending. It is. It's a very weird ending. You know, well, it was, it's... Uh, it was, this was Vietnam. And, uh, and that was when people had bumper stickers, America, love it or leave it. Right. And it was love very, it. yeah, it's, it was a very, obviously 1969 was a very different time. Mm-hmm. And it's also the Woodstock 50th anniversary. Uh, so the big thing in St. Louis starting tonight and going through July 21st is the St. Louis Filmmakers Showcase. Yes, you guys are a part of that. Yes, Tom yeah, and I are on, on the, the uh, narrative, narrative jury. jury. I used to be on the documentary jury. And? Then Ferguson happened. And then every other documentary was about Ferguson. And, and they were all the same. Too much. So I asked to be switched over to the narrative <laughs> jury, which I much prefer. There's about... Um, uh, six of us on each jury panel, mm-hmm. and uh, this year we have to watch. Uh, Tom and I have to watch fifty-seven films. What? Um, they're shorts mostly. Okay. There's there's uh, two, uh, what would be described as feature length. Yeah. So two hour and a half movies in the most are like twenty five minutes. Yeah, yeah basically. Or shorter. I mean, there's there's yeah. one that's one and a half one and a half minutes. Wow. I mean, they're, they're anywhere Is it between good? two minutes. Well, it's a, it, it actually that one's kind of cute. Um, anywhere between two and twenty five minutes. Yeah, somewhere. I mean, I'd say the average length is probably twelve to fifteen minutes. Oh, like, Chris, like it could be on uh, like Adult Swim. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Chris Clark, uh, the artistic director mm-hmm. of Cinema, Cinema St. Louis, Louis, picked uh, the most films this year ever it's like a record but he he kindly uh describes the uh hours that we have to spend doing this when he asks us to do it and it's 13 hours penance (laughs) well we got a free meal out of the deal yeah so so monday nights are powwow and let me tell you those powwows are get quite interesting because i'm the only girl so so i have to inject the girl point of view sometimes But there are six of you, so did the five guys gang up on you? Yes. <laughs> um, but I, I, I've, there's one I, I do want to mention. It's called The Ghost Who Walks. And okay. You haven't watched it yet. No, you, you I'm need to watch it for Monday. I think that's the one that uh, people are going to be talking about. And it was shot in St. Louis. And it's, and they, it, it, Isn't that, aren't they supposed to be shot in St. Louis? No, they can be shot by people from St. Louis. Oh, okay. The St. Louis filmmakers thing is broad scope. it is broad or, or they you have to have a local college. connection you have to have a local yeah. connection but but what this what this filmmaker what was his name cody something who did the yeah and he also won before okay did he i didn't narrative or that. documentary um he cody won. stokes yeah cody stokes yeah he but came he does, back he moved back to st louis he does some really brilliant uses of location in st louis without without I mean, you almost have to be from St. Louis to recognize the place. Oh, it's, it's, it's not like he does an establishing shot of the arch every 15 minutes like Jack Snyder used to do in his films. <laughs> um, but like he's driving down Chippewa and there's Ted Yeah, and, and, you, and he's behind some alleys you recognize. And you mm-hmm. drive down Kings Highway. Yeah, yeah. It, it, it's, it's, a, it's a good film. It's a very good film. Uh, of the two feature-length films, it's, it's by far. 
St. Louis Magazine did a feature on him. So if you get St. Louis Magazine alerts or you want to go to St. Louis Magazine, you can, you can read it about him. Mm-hmm. And he also it's also the, like the centerpiece film of the fest. Yeah, I think it's shown tomorrow night. So it has uh, every night. Let's see. I'm, I'm looking at the schedule here. Yeah. Starting tonight. Yeah. Starting tonight. It's, um, Tonight's it, two documentary blocks. Yeah, they have uh, 106 films, 19 film programs, full uh, seven full-length fiction features and documentaries, multi-film compilations of fiction, documentary, and experimental shorts. We do we don't get the experimental ones; they move that over to the doctory. Yeah, but we more. get the animation ones. Oh, nice! Yeah. Yes, and we we do about what ten awards? Something like that. Yeah. Well, I thought it was more than that. Yeah, it maybe it's more. We it have seems a like list. they used to do. A zillion. Like 40. Yeah. And then somebody, <laughs> well, that's why they come. Everybody wins. It used to be. Yeah. They'd have really dumb categories. It used to be. Best uh, lighting. Uh, St. Louis uh, uh, Film Critics Association used to be in, in charge of the juries. And then uh, Cinema St. Louis took it back a couple years ago. And then uh, me and Tom... Uh, I guess survive the cut. I guess. Yeah. But they bring in they bring in people that are. uh, Well, Chris Chris hosts that thing at he does once a month the uh, film club at uh, Plaza Frontenac. Right, and uh, we have. um, Chris Clark. Yeah. No, that's um, that's uh, Hunter. uh, Hunter Hunter, uh, Harper Barnes, Harper Harper Barnes, Barnes and and Diane Diane Carson. Carson. But I thought that was Chris's baby. Uh, No, no, I don't think Chris has ever had anything to do with it. No, he might. They do, you know. Cinema St. Louis does quite a bit of yeah, things it's now. It's hard enough, but I don't. Yeah, think, I'm sure, down I'm, at I'm the sure do dot Zach, mm-hmm. they have like shorts yeah, right. and stuff. They got the Q Fest mm-hmm. and the French Fest and the and and they do they do quite a bit. But the panels are uh, film professors mm-hmm. and filmmakers. Wyatt Weeds on our our committee and and, and people Peter who Carlos. and yeah people who just have general knowledge of it or you know. Anyway, and so um, where are they going to be showing these films? There, it's going to be at Wash U again. It used to be at the Tivoli until uh, two mm, yeah, years a ago. Couple years ago, I think. yeah. That so was now the second year at Brown Hall. So it's at Brown Hall, and uh, you can see the full schedule at cinemastlouis.org. And the Brown Hall is at Wash U, so you kind of have to navigate. Well, you that. go down Y down, and it's. Well, I don't know. They've changed all their parking again. Yeah. I know. And it's going to be hard because that parking for the movie on Art Hill. I mean, there's going to be 10,000 people at, watching Black Panther tonight on Art Hill, and that parking is going to extend all the way through Washington University. And there's all the construction work going yeah. on, too, that hampers uh, those kind of things. They do have post-screening Q&As with the filmmakers, and some people will get to go on to the St. Louis Film uh, St. Louis International Film Festival. Oh wow. So that's one of the perks, but the closing night is a free party at Blueberry Hills Duck Room and this year they got it on Sunday. They've always had it on Sunday. No, it's always been on Thursday. Remember? No. No, I think it's been on Sunday. Well, that's the That's why film you haven't festival. been going. Yeah, no, it's always <laughs> been on Sunday. Mm, no, because a lot of them have been on Thursday nights because I, I had uh, like Muni right. night. Right. Yeah, but the film festival. Anyway, uh, so go to cinemastlouis.org. You want to see the schedule and uh, celebrate local filmmakers. Yeah, encourage them. Encourage them. Right. We crush dreams, but uh, <laughs> you can you I'm can right. celebrate. Well, yeah, you guys are watching uh, 19 hours of film and how many of them are good? Oh, I think I've watched more of them than... Yeah, I've, I've so got to catch I would say half. 
Less than half. Less I would say <laughs> probably 30% are actually really are really good. And some of them are They're trying. Uh, but I would say there's very few that are just terrible because Chris gets a lot of submissions, and mm-hmm. he, he really does weed he out weeds the horrible out. ones. So, so they, 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 they're good. Years ago, before digital became so prevalent, mm-hmm. uh, sound and lighting was a big issue. Right. Yeah. And now, to me, the biggest issue is acting. Okay. Uh, hire real actors <laughs> because the ones that have your friends are just, Oh, they're God. not actors. They're your friends. It's painful, but you'll you'll have a you'll have a short that has a really good story, and the execution just falls apart yeah. at the end. So you're sitting there, and you're just like, well. But then there's some that have have really, uh, you know, there's still things to recommend. Oh, sure. In it because we give a couple of just total and, gems. And there's also <laughs> the fact that even if it's a bad film. The filmmaker might try again and be get better, right. <laughs> right? And and people find out that we get some of the same people every year. Yeah, a lot of Webster University students, and now Lindenwood is is really is really catching up to Webster University as far as their film production department goes. Good. Yeah, and you'll see local actors that you've seen in in theater, mm-hmm. and, and you know they get hired for it. Yeah, and... Steve Buscemi's brother is in one of the films. Really? Yeah, because I remember watching it. I go, this kind of guy kind of reminds me of Steve Buscemi. And, and then the credits rolled, and it was like Tom. Paul Buscemi or something <laughs> like that. Yeah, oh. and more and more women. I, I got to get the women in there. Mm-hmm. More and more women directors and writers are, are doing things, and I applaud that. Good. Yeah. So uh, that's it for the local stuff. So what's going on nationally? Well, John Hamm has just announced that he, uh, they just announced the sequel to Big, Big Lebowski, Lebowski called The Jesus Rolls, and uh, John Hamm's attached. Yes. And uh, Dexter Fletcher has replaced Guy Ritchie for Sherlock Holmes 3, mm. and Robert Downey Jr.'s back. They haven't announced whether Jude Law's back as Watson. Uh, I'm sure if they give him enough money, he'll be back. Yeah. Well, they, I'm really upset that Guy Ritchie's not coming back because he actually did really well with those two films. I know. And Dexter Fletcher, don't you think he's kind of... I don't know, maybe a rut, because uh, Bohemian Rhapsody and then Rocket Man. By the way, Rocket Man has sank like a stone oh, at yeah. the box it office. It dropped off 70% week mm-hmm. two. And and a couple of weeks ago, it, it it came out of theaters. Like, I was looking. Yeah. My high it's school friends. Well, it may, it's at the second it, run. Yeah. Um, uh, we have a high school group going because Elton John was a soundtrack of our life. Mm-hmm. And so we're going Sunday afternoon. But... Uh, where are you going to go see it? St. Clair 10, really? which is the is second it run. At, it's still at Ronnie's. Well, it was this week. I don't know if it's it still there today. Be. Yeah. I wanna, I, I well, but then, then Stuber yeah. is the only major release. Well, I guess Crawl. So maybe it's maybe it's gone. I don't know. I wanted to see Shaft last weekend, and I couldn't find it anywhere. Yeah. So Already? They, yeah. Yeah. They disappeared fast. And that's one they didn't screen for us. No. So it must... Th- there was a reason. <laughs> No, they did screen check. They did screen check. Oh, did they? It was that we were going through the blues stuff at that time. Oh. Remember, that's why I didn't see books oh. more, I think. So next week we have Lion King Lion and King. The Art of Self-Defense with Jesse Eisenberg. It's getting good critical buzz. Don't know anything about And then about that. the documentary. Is it a documentary on Maiden or is it a fictional? No, no, it's no. A documentary. It's a, is it a documentary or yeah. is it a... Is it a the fictional fiction, version of a, the story. Based I on... I thought it was a documentary, but... I'm not sure. It's about the first female skipper crew. Uh, 
they it's sailing. Yes. Sailing. It was the first first female crew to be in this uh, race, yeah. schooner race. If you're watching Netflix shows, if you finish Stranger Things and I you want to get on. Did it in two days. Did uh, What's your verdict? Um, it was, uh, they, the way it ends is very reminiscent of season one. And so they, the story up until episode eight is very strong. And then episode eight, they have three different storylines going on. And then episode eight comes and all three of them merge together as one. And then it ends just like season one did. And so I think that they might be running out of steam. And and there are things to like about it, but I'm like, wait a minute. They did this already. What they did, because at the end of season one, you think one person is gone forever and then it's 11. And you say, oh, she's gone. And then you find out that she's not gone. And so in this one, a character disappears. And they're not, they still kill off characters. But this one, they say, this person is uh, missing, presumed dead. And then at the end, they go, gotcha. Oh, Carrie Elwes is in it now. Yes, he's the mayor. He's the mayor. You know, he's, uh, since, they, since it's all based on 80s nostalgia, he's the Princess Bride. Yeah. Well, uh, he was also in the first Saw, and they're coming out with Saw 3. Aren't they pairing No, Sam... no I Saw 3. Saw... I saw 13. 13. Like okay, no, I'm sorry. Saw, yeah. Isn't it Samuel L. Jackson and who else? It's somebody... Chris Rock, isn't it? Yeah, 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 oh, yeah. 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 Samuel L. Jackson's going to play Chris Rock's dad. Uh, Did oh. you? Do you like those? I, I see them all, um, but I can't say I really like them. They're, kind of, they're all blend together in my mind. Hard porn. They don't really stand out. Is... Uh, Tobin Bell still in there? Uh, he was... N- Even Didn't he die in like three and then they kept bringing, oh, yeah, him back? bringing him back? I don't think he was in Jigsaw. Which was the last one? <laughs> that was the last one, yeah. They tried to reboot it and call it Jigsaw. And well, also, I think that this, the one with, uh, he was in it. with Chris Rock and Samuel L. Jackson is a reboot. Okay, yeah. I, I, I don't. Oh, yeah, you're right. I heard that. Oh, the first one creeped me out so much I couldn't watch the other I've, ones. I've seen none of them. Oh, oh the first one's well worth seeing. It is good. It's is so a, creepy. It's it so disgusting. It's so filthy. Oh, God. But see, I already know how it ends, though. Yeah. Uh, so, well... Does it's that still, matter? Well, if you want to see, really. you know, if you want to see like an ex, a, a well done torture porn, sports. yeah, if you want to see execution, how well they do it, and Corey, uh, uh, you know, um, Carrie, Carrie Elwes is Elvis. playing against type, mm-hmm. and uh, that, and then you know, that's the first appearance of that creepy jigsaw. So, but uh, Mind Hunter, which is a Netflix series that I really enjoyed, done by David Fincher and starring Jonathan Groff. Mm-hmm. Who again? I probably have a little maternal uh, instinct for from from Frozen, uh, from Frozen, but also he was the lead in uh, Spring Booker, Awakening on Broadway. And Booker Mormon? No. no, Spring Awakening. Spring Awakening. He was Melchior. Okay. He was the hunky Melchior, and uh, he's been in quite a few things. He was on Glee with Mich- uh, with Leah Michelle from. They were the leads in Spring Awakening. Yes, yes, yes. He played Jesse St. James. <laughs> On Glee. He has a fabulous voice. Anyway, he was King George in Hamilton on Broadway. Yes. Tony nominee. 
So anyway, he is he is playing not a musical character. He is a profiler for the FBI, and uh, it's a fascinating. You would love it, Tom. Mm, I don't watch TV. I know you don't watch TV, but you would love this. It's that's by, what everybody says. It's by, maybe I would, but that's one of the reasons it, I don't watch TV. It's by Fincher. True. Uh, it's is it directed by Fincher or produced by Fincher. It's both. It's uh, he might not do all the direction, but he's it's like the Duffer Brothers on uh, Stranger Things. They do the first two episodes and the last two episodes, and then they farm out the other four. Yeah, just like uh, Adam McKay with uh, Succession, which is coming to HBO August 11th. If you have not seen season two, if you have not seen season one, put it on your top of the list because it's brilliant. And uh, I know Big Little Lies is going on right now, but you got to make time for this one. And so anyway, Mindhunter comes back to Netflix on uh, August 16th. So people have been really waiting for that news. Any other news, guys? Uh, no, you can hear me on 97.1 and the big 550 KTRS every weekend with our buddy Max Foise for Max on Movies. Two hours this weekend. Awesome. And you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at underscore Carl the Intern. Wow. Oh, um, you can read my reviews on other things at wearemoviegeeks.com. You can also come see me at the Way Out Club where I uh, show movies on 16 millimeter film. We are showing Swing Shift. Really? With Kurt Russell and uh, Goldie Hawn. So uh, they how they met. Yeah. yeah. Right. That'll be August 6th at 7 o'clock on 16mm film. Old school, baby. And then, of course, like I said earlier, you can meet me up at the Tivoli every mm-hmm. Friday night at midnight where I host a, a midnight show. Midnight and, show. and you so. give away good swag, too. I, do. I give away swag and I ask questions, and that's a lot of fun. But we are movie geeks, is my say. I want a Talking Ted doll um, when you're... Nice. Yeah, What'd I still you do have, with it? I still have it. In your bedroom? No, <laughs> it's in sto- <laughs> it's in storage in the basement, but I still have it. And you are? I am Lynn Venhouse, and I can be read the TimesNewspapers.com in the section called Real World, and and you have the uh, cover story for the West End Word this West week. West End Word on the Left Bank Books 50th anniversary. So yes, and upcoming, I'm doing an article about Mary Engelbright uh, doing the Matilda Matilda at the Muni Muni. So, and also, I am on KTRS usually every Thursday night, but we got preempted by the Memphis Redbirds last night. So, I'm on tonight. Nice. Friday, July 12th. Yeah. So, it's between 9 and usually after the 10 o'clock hour with Ray and Jay. And then, uh, oh, what? <laughs> when we were doing our top 10, <laughs> I totally forgot yesterday. <laughs> I would put nope. that. I too would, late. Too late. I know. I was going to say, I would put that instead of a long shot. Really? <laughs> yes. Yeah. for number five? Yeah. Okay. All so right. I'm, I'm glad I got that off my chest. Say goodbye. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye. <laughs>